Hour number three on this Tuesday, our first show of 2023. Unfortunately, a heavy-hearted version for a couple of uh, stories that we're following today. The death of Coach Gustafson and Damar Hamlin fighting for his life in Cincinnati. Still no update on Damar Hamlin today. We'll get you an update on the NFL side of it in terms of that game here in just a second. First, we'll remind you, it is Chad and Zay with you on this Tuesday. Every third hour starts with a beat Specially chosen by Zay. What do you got? Broke Boys by Drake, 21 Savage, off of their pretty good album, Her Loss, 2022. <laughs> We're going to go through their, their pretty good album? Yeah, it was all right. Okay. It was all right. Drake and 21 Savage. Yeah. 21... I didn't think it would interruptly like that, but oh well. 21 Savage, a producer or also a performer? Just rapper. Rapper. I don't think he's a producer. Okay. 21, that's one person. That's one person. 21 Seth. Great name, by the way. Oh, yeah. Love that name. Yeah. It's a name that, when I first heard it, I thought it was a group, but either way. Because <laughs> 21 Savage does not sound like one person to me. That sounds like, okay, they came up with a you know name, but that's it's even cooler in a way that it's one guy. Yeah. You know what? Your, your black card and cookout card, it might be good for about two weeks now with your sisters with vocals. Hey, comment. C- come on now. That was incredible. I got it right. Sisters with voices. I voices. Believe. Ah, there Sisters it is. with voices. Ah, same difference. SWV. Uh, Very impressed. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's where I should just shut up. <laughs> I should just take that and move on. Uh, you'll find a way to muck it oh, up. Oh, I'll find a way to totally screw it up. Um, Drake and 21 Savage starting us off with a nice beat this hour. Uh, also, the update from the NFL, they will not resume the game this week with Bills and Bengals. They've made no decision, though, regarding a resumption of the game. We're just going to have to kind of keep that one uh, in our pocket for later. The league has not made any changes to Week 18 schedule. The only thing we're waiting on now is when will they play the Ravens-Bengals game? It's listed as a TBD on Saturday, and I'm reading that it they were going to schedule it based on what happened last night. Well, okay, but now it's not happening, so what are you going to do? I mean, it's pretty clear. That's for the division, basically. If Cincinnati wins it, they win the division. If Baltimore wins, I think they can still somehow win or come around. Really? I thought, uh, I thought Baltimore was too far back. Maybe they are. Or is it it's not Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh can't win that division. Somebody can no. still win that division, I think. I think I don't think Cincinnati's closed that door yet. Like the Bengals are two games up right now, but it would have been different depending on what happened last night. Correct. If they would have lost last night, then, then yeah, yeah, next yeah. week's okay. game would have been a division match. So maybe you're right. Yeah. So anyway, they may be trying to figure some things out there. So just to keep you updated there, we'll keep our uh, keep our eyes and ears peeled. And obviously the most important thing is DeMar Hamlin himself. Uh, it was cardiac arrest last night. They got his heart beating again. They got uh, an air, you know, able to get a, uh, a breathing tube in him last night and uh, no big updates though today all right uh let's get to the vaqueros cafe and cantina hotline to that other heavy story unfortunately that we've been dealing with today and it is the death of a texas legend uh coach gustafson dies at the age of 91 yesterday and i started thinking of my favorite texas baseball people this guy is certainly one of them he is the king of ping dustin mccomas now of five tool check him out five tool.org spell it all out for some great baseball content he's at dustin l mccomas now on Twitter, in case you don't know. Dustin, I appreciate the time, brother. How are you? I'm doing well, Chad. And, yeah, obviously I wish we were visiting with, with better circumstances and topics uh, to discuss. And I'm kind of wondering if we need to hit the reset button on 2023, the way these 
last couple of days have played out. But uh, but doing well, hanging in there, my man. Yeah, it's just a, it was such a crazy heavy story. I thought of all those of you that that love Texas baseball and uh, and have loved it, you know, your whole life. I mean, Cliff Gustafson is such a big reason why Texas baseball is what it is. Before I get into any or we get into any specifics baseball wise. Give me your reaction to to Coach Gus. You are in that that kind of younger set of fans that I would know, but you're such an old soul when it comes to baseball. What would you tell a fan that didn't see Cliff Gustafson's teams play? Like, why is he so important to the history of Texas baseball? You know, I I think you can make the case that you know he's one of the most important people to Texas baseball, regardless of of classification, not just University of Texas, just, just baseball and the state of Texas in general. Um, you know, going back to his days when he won, what was it, six state championships at South Sand as a high school coach and then makes the jump right up to the University of Texas and Daryl Royal gives him the call and he actually takes a small little pay cut to go up to Austin and lead the Longhorns. But, um, you know, his team, you know, you talk to players that played for him and you listen to all the great stories and things like that and, um, he just, he was a master at keeping things simple. You know, I think that in a lot of ways, the, the way he and Augie Garrido's teams played were kind of similar, even though I think that their personalities as people and coaches uh, were pretty different and unique on their own. But um, they just outworked, you know, Coach Gus's teams would outwork, outprepare, and just, you know, they had such a confidence when they stepped onto the field because he had a way of, just making everything seem so simplistic uh, because those guys believed in the work they put in and they believed that when they stepped out into the field that they were the best team and a part of that was the talent and a big part of it was um, they just had put in the work and he just had a really great way of of connecting with his players that way. He wasn't a big like yeller, rah-rah guy. He was was very matter-of-fact. He was very to the point. He was just kind of very just – even Keel never got too high, never got too low. His guys always felt like they were the most prepared team on the field. Um, and oftentimes, he had the, they had the most talent on the field. And that's something that he never hid from, which I appreciated. Um, you know, he kind of, you know, this phrase was kind of before his time, but I think he really embodied the whole, you know, like, word Texas mantra in a great way. Like, they won with integrity. They went about it that way. They played with great sportsmanship and competitiveness. But there was also that sentiment, too. Like, you know, you hear some of the recruiting stories, like, hey, yeah, we're Texas. Come play with us. You know, we're the biggest, we're the baddest, we're the best. Come play with the best players. Come win the most games. Come compete for the national championships. Um, and, like, I, I think when you think back to Texas coaches that embodied what Texas fans want athletics to be, um, he's certainly at or near the top of that list for sure. Mm. Yeah, just a great man. I mean, when you hear him take a pay cut when Coach Royal calls him, just shows kind of the guy he is and how much he loved his alma mater before becoming a coach. But let me ask you this, Dustin, with all the great teams that he had, he was known for just his fundamentals, like you said, making the game simple. Who would you consider be his best team out of the 29 years he coached yes he has that you know championship at 83 that 75 team also but what team do you consider being his best during his tenure at the 40 oh i believe it was might have been 75 i think when they went 59 and 6 and they went 23 and 1 in the southwest conference like you think about <laughs> playing that many games and only and only losing that few games the entire year, like that's 
that's sensational. Um, just to, like we're we're never going to see that type of season um, at the University of Texas again when you just run through the gauntlet um, like they did. But man, they just had so many terrific teams and and so many great players. And I think that's been one of the one of the you know it, it's come at a very unfortunate time. But one of the cool things that's come out of this is you hear the the players talk about Coach Gus and you think about the players in in you know, Greg Swindell and Roger Clemens and Keith Moreland and, you know, all these guys that I consider just like elite competitors. Like you put those guys between the lines, they're going to flat out get after you. And, but you hear them talk about, about coach Gus and like, you know, how much of a, how, how he helped them become a great man and things like that. Uh, it's been really cool to hear those stories, but that team, you know, you go 59 and six and then 23 and one. Oof. That's 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 tough to top that for sure. Yeah, twenty three and one in baseball. <laughs> I just keep reminding myself, Dustin, in baseball, we doesn't had, even sound real. We've had yeah. these these discussions over the years, man. It's such a kooky sport; it can go the other way so quickly. To go twenty three and one in a conference is is that's dumb. Um, Dustin, in terms of the the man himself, you talked about you know loving to hear those stories. Is it? Am I would I be overstating it if I said I'm I'm thinking of, you know, almost putting him in that category of the Daryl Royals, the Earl Campbells for Longhorn history where I've never heard a bad story. Like when I think of Coach Gus, there's you know, there's certain story you know, you'll have a coach that's got a legend of this or that and oh the, you know, he had his moments, but blah blah blah. Do you think it's fair? to put him in that category? Because I don't think I've ever heard anybody tell the bad story on Daryl. I haven't heard a bad story on Earl yet. Is Gus in that category for you? Yeah, I, I think so. And I, I think in great embodiment of that is when he, you know, he was, he was such a baseball fan and a, and a huge Longhorn fan. You know, he'd stay dialed into the teams as, as much as he could. He'd watch, like, every game if he could. And, you know, when he would be around the program and, and things like that, you would just watch – you, you, I'd kind of stand back and just watch how people reacted to him, you know, and just just the the, the relationships that he had and, and the way people would gravitate to him and the way that they would smile. And it, it's just, you know, I, I certainly put him in that regard with, with Royal and Campbell and, and those types of Longhorn Giants to where, like, you just never heard a, a bad thing about the guy. And then every time he came around, it's just like everybody just kind of gravitated to him and they started talking about you know, the, their moments with him playing at Texas and being around him and what they learned from him, not as a baseball player, but as a man and their development and things like that. So, yeah, I, I think that's more than fair to put him in that regard. Dustin, do you have a Coach Gus story? Just remember talking to him or, like you said, just when he just came in the room and all eyes were on him and he just brightened the room. Do you ever remember just one of those big moments? I don't have one personally. Um, I, I wasn't fortunate enough to have, you know, the relationship that you know, some of the other guys have that kind of covered the program before me. But, um, you know, I always kind of think back to, you know, I, I've heard Brooks Kieschnick at times talk about kind of the recruiting story and, you know, being a Mississippi State commitment down to the wire. And then, you know, Coach Gus, I think, just calls him up and, um, you know, just basically just matter-of-factly makes him a deal. Like, hey, you know what? We're Texas. They're Mississippi State. Like, you should come play for us. And Brooks Keisha was like, all right, yeah, yeah. You know what? Now you say it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the way we're going to do this. And, you know, and Roger Clemens had the same story. You know, um, he did a video interview down in Houston, I believe, yesterday or the day before about Coach Gus. And, you know, he came in on his recruiting visit. And he was just kind of a matter of fact, like, hey, you know what? I, I think you should be a Longhorn. And, you know, Roger Clemens is like, 
okay, yeah, coach, yeah, I'm in. You know, just like he just had that sort of presence about him, but it wasn't in any sort of like over-the-top, like arrogant way at all. It's just like that's just that's just kind of who he was and who Texas was at that time. But it's kind of fun to hear, you know, his re- recruiting stories. And then you consider who Roger Clemens and Brooks Kieschnick became, you know, just, just two absolute giants. Uh, for baseball at the University of Texas. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Dustin, uh, before I let you go, give me – I love talking X's and O's baseball with you through the years. You know that. So give me, like, if – you know, certain people remember Augie Garrido's version of Texas baseball, what they were known for, some of those little things and not being afraid to, you know, maybe you're trying to bunt in this situation. He's moving guys around. He's making a big change. What's something that you would consider – you know, Gus Ball, if you will. What what was it about him where you'd you'd see about it, you'd hear about it, you're reading about the team and you're thinking, Oh yeah, that's that's Cliff Gustafson right there. Um you know, I don't know if it was like one specific you know, strategical type thing, but they were so good at like the fundamental aspect of, of playing the game. Like there wasn't there wasn't ever going to be any sort of situation that was going to catch them off guard. And like, yeah, they had they had immense talent and, and they were often the most talented you know, team on the field, but like they were so good at like drilling and the situational things and execution. And they believed in it so much that like they just played such clean baseball. And I think he was really good at like kind of building rosters in a way that, that fit the dimensions of, of the field and where they played, you know, because so much of that era, like you played a lot of home games, even, you know, going through the conference tournaments and things like that. So you were kind of at an advantage if you had a, a personnel and a team grouping that, that fit where you played. But they were just so good at the fundamental aspects. You know, I, I heard Brooks Keeson talk about, um, you know, like they didn't even really care if people knew their signs because they were just – they were so good at whatever they wanted to do on the field and they were so prepared to kind of, you know, adjust to any type of situation. And that's one of the reasons why they were so remarkably consistent um, over the course of his tenure at Texas. Dustin, looking at this year's team in 2023, you're losing one of your best players in Texas history, Ivan Melendez. How do you think the 2023 is going to fare for this Texas baseball team under Coach Pierce? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I, it's fascinating because it wasn't just the player turnover they've had; they had a lot of coaching turnover as well, and that's you know that's not something that we typically see very often. And um, you know, it'll be interesting. They, you know, they brought in some guys that could be potential impact transfers. Obviously, Porter Brown coming from TCU had a huge fall uh, for those guys and probably figures to be in the mix in the outfield. But they're going to have a lot of youth, too. They could have a lot of youth um, around the infield. Really, really talented youth, um, but a lot of youth around the infield. So um, it's going to be fascinating to see. I, I think it could go, you know, it could be one of those seasons where, you know, this is the word Texas fans don't like to hear, but you're probably going to have to exercise a lot of patience with this group as it goes through its growing pains and things like that, and, and guys figure out their roles. Um, they don't lack stuff with the pitching staff. It's kind of a matter of getting those roles settled in, the control improving and things like that. But we'll see how the position groups kind of shake out. I think there's going to be a lot of competition in those areas. But I think in an ideal world for Texas, they're going to take some lumps early on. There's going to be some ups and downs, and hopefully at those bats and those plate appearances – and those innings wrap up, rack up for those younger players. They're kind of peaking at the right time. But um, certainly a team that I, I don't think you're going to see in the top 10 of any preseason polls. I kind of think they're more of a fringe top 25 team with all the losses they, that they had. But a lot of those young players, Texas fans, are really, really going to like. And as those guys get their feet wet um, and get some experience and things like that, they have the potential to kind of peak at the right time. Uh, I, I do give David Pierce credit for this. 
their schedule is a little bit lighter than it has been in years past. And I think that that's really good for this group because they're going to need to feel good about themselves at times. They're going to need some confidence building. They're not going to need to go on the road and, and really, really test themselves like last year's group did because it did have so many returning players. That is Dustin McComas. If you are a baseball nerd, you need to check out Five Tool. FiveTool.org. Spell it all out. They're doing some incredible stuff there. Dustin getting to uh, getting to follow baseball for a living. He's living the dream, baby. <laughs> At Dustin L. McComas. Dustin, uh, glad to hear from you. Sorry it was under these circumstances. I uh, hope the family is well, and uh, we'll visit with you down the road, man. Thank you. Appreciate it, Chad. Thank you. Take care. Thank you, brother. Thanks, D- Dustin. Dustin McComas, some good stuff there on Coach Gus. And he did mention the name Brooks Kieschnick there. Brooks is coming up at 4.30 this afternoon. The The guys on Ball Don't Lie are going to talk with him, Harge and Rod. Obviously, we'll give you their thoughts on uh, the death of Coach Gus as well. Damar Hamlin and this story in the NFL has been a big story today also. So kind of a heavy start to 2023. But we are dealing with it today. Up next, why today matters. We'll give you the very latest on that DeMar Hamlin story, plus a couple of the stories that came out of last night will clarify that Ryan Clark story from back in the day when things got really serious for him and Mike Tomlin stepped up in a big way. If you haven't heard that story, stick with us. This is The Horn. Millions locked in the safe. Uh-huh. Pushing bins, uh-huh. bending corners, high rocking away. It's tough as went to jail, still got chopped in their face. That mean anybody can get it. Game dirty, watch how you play. We out with pay, don't get too. All right, rolling through a Tuesday. This one I do not have, Zay. Yeah, you have no chance of getting this. Am I getting punished at the cookout for this no, one? No, no, you have no chance of getting this. This <laughs> is a part of our review of best hip hop albums of 2022. All right. Rome Streets. Mm. Big Steppa is the song. Rome. Album is Kiss the Ring. Okay. Rome Streets? Rome Streets. All right. Hot new rapper. I jam him. Rome like the city? Yeah. R-O-M-E? R-O-M-E. He's okay. with Buffalo rap label Griselda, which is huge right now. As in Hip-hop. Buffalo, New York? Buffalo, New York. Wow. Yeah, they're putting on. There's big time rap coming out of Buffalo? Oh, huge. This guy named Westside Gun that has one of the most unique voices I've ever heard. That's I'll play awesome. Him. I'll play him soon okay. if we can find clean version. Mm, and then yeah. Benny the Butcher, Conway the Machine. Yeah, Griselda's popping. That's that's really cool. Didn't realize Buffalo was uh, getting that done. All right, so this is a new talented uh, rapper on the scene in Buffalo, Rome Streets. Uh, joining the list today, SWV earlier, Diana Ross, Metallica, Guns N' Roses. We've had a nice mix today, as always. Had a Drake and 21 Savage beat to get the hour started. There's a lot on the board today. Unfortunately, a lot of it is heavy and kind of sad or really sad. Um, and so we've been dealing with that today. Tomorrow, probably a lot of cleanup football-wise. We haven't really talked about the semifinals and the championship game that's set. By the way, shout out to TCU. We haven't talked about them today. but Yeah. My God, TCU found a way. Uh, Michigan missed some opportunities, but in the end, TCU outrushed them. TCU held Michigan in a way I didn't think they would. Uh, I was glad to see it. I was rooting for TCU, but I thought uh, I thought Michigan was getting it done. I know as a Texas fan, Zay, you were not thrilled seeing that. No, I was not thrilled, and I don't like all the Steve Sarkeesian comparisons either. It's not the same. Not even close to insane. Uh-huh. Not the same. 
This man, Sonny Dykes, inherited a really good Gary Patterson team with a lot of seniors and a lot of veterans and leadership. And, hey, he's done a good job. I'll give him that. But now, remember we talked about last week when he kind of put his foot in his mouth talking about, oh, we ain't the SEC, you know, our 10th game of the season's Texas. Yeah, he ripped the schedule. Yeah, Yeah. all right. I'm Kirby Smart. We're playing that every day. We're even randomly, like we'll be working on red zone stuff of Kirby Smart like Stetson. Oh, wait, wait a minute, wait. Service <laughs> announcement and just play Sonny Dyke saying, Hey, we don't have no walkthroughs. Game ten, we play Texas. I'm like, all right, well, this is the SEC. This is what you wanted, Sonny. National championship game, come get it. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Good point. All right, so uh, a lot of the heavy stuff today with the death of Coach Gus and, of course, this DeMar Hamlin story. Let's dig back into that. We'll tell you why today matters. Today in the NFL, that is all that matters. Why Today Matters, brought to you by Sinus and Snoring Specialist. Get sinus and snoring relief with Dr. Daniel Slaughter at Sinus and Snoring Specialist. 512-601-0303 or sinussnoringent.com. And I wish we had some kind of a uh, some kind of a big update for you. We really don't. The family of DeMar Hamlin and the Bills uh, as as an organization both released statements today and everything was really thanking everybody for what they had done, asking for prayers, asking for positive thoughts. That's basically what it's been today. The NFL side of it is obviously they're trying to be as respectful as they can to DeMar Hamlin, but they've also announced that the game's not going to be played this week. They're going to reserve the right to play it at some point we've been trying to figure out how that works i think zay's idea on uh utilizing that you know week between the super bowl and and the championship games and maybe cramming you know cramming the schedule together might be the answer uh but they're gonna kind of hold that off in case they need it uh it's gonna be kind of crazy on that front but obviously the big focus is on damar hamlin himself the scary moment from last night if you saw it you'll never forget it you will never forget him standing up and then just falling back down, hitting his head on the turf, and then you're thinking, okay, is this a head injury situation? Then it just all starts to look serious. For me, Zay, it was McDermott, the head coach of Buffalo, told me something was up. Uh, Tredavious White just started crying. I mean, we've seen these guys get serious. They'll take a knee when somebody's hurt. When some, These guys sometimes, you know, guys screaming in agony because his knee's hurt or whatever. They'll take the knee to be respectful and all that, but then eventually they get themselves psyched back up to go. These guys are openly weeping on the field, and that's just something we hadn't seen before. No, no, and yeah, it's just it's absolutely crazy what we saw last night, and all you could do is just pray and hope that everything gets better. But yeah, Tredavious White, he's one of the best corners in the NFL, undersized corner that relies a lot on his toughness. And to see him balling like that and everybody on the team and on the field just going through that, uh, we've never seen the NFL and they weren't prepared for it. Like just going into today, just still not knowing where to go from here. Nobody's prepared for anything like this. So, yeah, just got to think about the Bills organization, think about Hamlin's family, and, of course, think about him. And going to have to have patience with the NFL. Absolutely. Yeah, there's going to be some patience to how all this gets figured out. So let's go to this Ryan Clark story because I think it it was an interesting – he was trying not to make it about him last night, and I respect him for that, but there was a a, a wild story during his career that – can sort of feed into you know kind of his knowledge of the situation. So when Ryan Clark was with the Steelers back in 07, they go play at Denver. 
He has severe pain. I'm reading from the Wikipedia page here. Take that for what it's worth. Developed severe pain in his left side. Had to be rushed to the hospital. Turns out he suffered what they're calling here a splenic infarction due to the sickle cell trait from which he suffered since he was a child. So the sickle cell trait made him susceptible to it at a high altitude. And they said these are usually a risk at the high altitudes. He had to have his spleen and gallbladder removed. So when they referenced last night, when Scott Van Pelt said, you've given up organs for this sport, that's what he meant. So the spleen and gallbladder removed, ending his season. He lost 30 pounds after the removal, but then returned to the Steelers in 08 and says although he was medically cleared to play in Denver – the thin air in the thin air without complications. The Steelers took the precaution of deactivating him for the four games he played in Denver thereafter. An 09 Monday night game, a 2010 preseason game, a 2011 playoff game, and a 2012 season opener. I remember that whole run. But what we had never heard was what Ryan Clark said last night. I'd never heard this part of it. Clark says he put doctors together, he put a group together to make the argument in 08 went into Mike Tomlin's office, started giving the stuff, and the doctors are talking, and they're, they're handing over papers and all this. Mike Tomlin, after five minutes, stopped everything that was going on and sent. He said, all y'all get out of my office, except for Ryan Clark. And he looks Ryan Clark in the face, and he says, made me emotional then, I'm kind of getting emotional now thinking about it. He says to Ryan Clark, if you were my son, I wouldn't let you play. Yeah. That's it. And then last night, Ryan Clark said, and it just took the pressure off of me. I remember the weight lifting, and he just said, look, man, there are things more important than this. When we go to Denver, we'll handle our business for you. You don't, you don't get to play there. We're not risking that. And that's the, that's the part of it that Ryan Clark was using last night, the personal side. So when Ryan Clark was getting emotional, that kind of explains why. Yeah, yeah, and shout out to the Pittsburgh Steelers and Mike Tomlin for handling that situation because that's how you have to handle it. I mean, you just never know, especially with, you know, all those doctors in there. They're probably, everybody was probably saying something different. And at that point, it just goes to the who knows? Why risk it? Exactly. So many more important things to live for than playing a football game. So, as much money that goes into it, as much as you prepare your whole life to be an athlete, you know, and to put yourself in a situation where you could play professional football in the NFL, you just got to know when to call it quits and say, hey, can't do it. And the fact that Ryan Clark was able to play on, even if it wasn't in Denver games, is remarkable. And yeah, you got to give credit to the Pittsburgh. Steelers for really handling that. Yeah, that was it. So that's a, obviously an emotional story that he's drawing on from last night. But with Demar Hamlin, obviously it's 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 all about his life. Literally at this point, uh, that that's not an overstatement. Uh, he's in the Cincinnati hospital. No no updates today. And you just you're just hoping for something good. You're just hoping to hear. Last night again, they said it over and over. We were hoping for the thumbs up. That's what we wanted. Yeah. That's it's not my favorite thumbs up in sports because you don't want it to be an injury that leads to it, but it's one of those emotional moments where you're at least seeing some reaction where you go, Oh my God, okay. He's with it enough that he can recognize the crowds giving him love and he gives them the thumbs up. Uh Mike Utley was one back in the day when the Lions guy and he ended up paralyzed. But Mike Utley was able to give the thumbs up off, and it became the signature of kind of him afterwards, yeah. after the injury. There's so many of those stories out there. We didn't get that last night, though. It was just a sobering, scary moment. Everybody kept saying scared, and I think that's the right word. I think we were all scared watching it. I had people texting me. 
that never text me during NFL games unless there's something really wacky going on. And that was kind of the words we were using. That it was you just almost, you were fearful watching it, fearful for this kid, and just hope he's okay. And this is why the NFL and all of football have become rightfully cautious about these guys and how they play and what we see with head injuries, what we've seen with concussions, what we saw with Tua yeah. this season, what we saw on, on that Saturday. Field. Yeah, on the that, Tua thing was in yeah, Cincinnati. Yeah, on yeah. that same field. But what we saw this Saturday in the Marvin Harrison Jr., like he got rocked even though that was somehow not considered targeting or the guy was able to stay in the game, which was odd to me. Marvin Harrison didn't come back in. Yeah, they and took the helmet. They that was that helmet. was really interesting. That to was me. that was interesting. Yeah. But just being cautious, I'm I'm good with that. I know they're probably like, dang, if we would have had him back in the game, it probably would have been a different score, yeah. different outcome, because he was cooking with two uh, touchdowns prior to that injury. But this is why you know you just never know, and why the NFL is being so cautious with these guys. Like I saw in the I don't know if it was the. Giants Colts game, but the defensive player on the Giants hit the quarterback kinda and didn't wrap him up, didn't drive him or nothing. Like kind of just once he made contact, like let go. Cause these guys are just so afraid for yeah. roughing the passer, which I get it. Like you see things that happened last night and you get, okay, this is why they're protecting these quarterbacks. This is why they're protecting these guys so much. They need to because with what we know with studies and stuff on concussions and head trauma, it's serious. And this wasn't even that. Like this was a heart issue. So this takes it to a whole nother level. But, yeah, the, the, the NFL, they got to get on these types of things. And, you know, you, again, just never know. Yeah, and obviously the first step is we hope, you know, you hope Damar Hamlin's going to be okay. But at some point, they need to look into for you know for his sake and the family's sake of okay, was this is there a heart condition we, they already knew about? If not, why didn't they know about it? Or was this a combination of things? Was it a combination of hits to the head plus a blow to the chest, which was the I, I, you know they're going to have to figure all that stuff out uh, with Demar Hamlin. It was a scary, scary scene last night. It continues to be that way, uh, and we just hope for the best. With Demar Hamlin, no, no immediate updates right now. Like Chad, nobody would have knew Max Duncan's injury if they didn't have COVID and then go yeah. through all those steps or what he was dealing with. Thank, thankfully, he's good, and now they're about to play for a national championship. But yeah, that year, the COVID year, where they went and took tests on him, they said, "Hey, something's not right with your heart, man," and he had to think about the rest of his career. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. Sometimes the things they can hopefully, you know, they can find this stuff ahead of time, and uh, we'll just see what comes out of this story um, in terms of the, was there a heart condition or was there something that created cardiac arrest in uh, in Hamlin's body? It's it's just wild. Uh, all right, let's finish off why today matters with a little bit of uh of positivity uh national drinking straw day so make sure to use your straws plus chocolate covered cherries you into the cherry version of chocolate covered i mean you know i guess because i don't see them around very often not my favorite yeah there's others on the list i'll go strawberries chocolate covered nuts and grapes and stuff i've done even chocolate covered grapes to me is better than cherries hmm now, we're talking about, like, the cute cherries that we put on Sundays, not, like, the grimy cherries that got seeds in them and stuff. I guess it depends. Depends on where you get your chocolate-covered cherries. Okay. I don't know if they do. Any, yeah, you wouldn't have seeds in a cherry like that. No. Yeah, they're all right. They're, they're, they're decent. But I don't like cherries bad. at all. But I love some cherry pie. Is that weird? Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. I'd take me some cherry pie, but cherries by himself, not my thing. I'm kind of with you there. I'm not, a, I'm not the biggest pie, pie person, but if I'm going to have cherries... Pie would be the way to do it. 
Yo, my sister makes a mean cherry cobbler. We don't have it much because Cece doesn't like cherries, but yeah. serious. Okay, I'll serious. try that. Love, love a good cobbler. Uh, also, happy birthday today to Danica McKellar. If you're the right age, Danica McKellar means something to you because she was Winnie Cooper on The Wonder Years. She's 48 years old today. Also, how about this? For a birthday double, I love this one. Remember... The David Tyree catch in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 42, Giants over Patriots. The helmet catch, the ball stuck to the side of the helmet. It's David Tyree's birthday today. He's 43. The old school is Syracuse, in case you don't know. But guess who else has a birthday today? Eli Manning does. What? The guy that threw the pass and the guy that caught the pass both have a birthday today. And let's give them both credit. Go back and watch that play. As good as David Tyree is at the beginning of it, or at the end of it, I think Eli might be as good at the beginning of it. I still can't believe he got away. If I'm not mistaken, those two guys were Ty Warren, the badass D-tackle that played at A&M and was a dog in the NFL. And I think the other guy is Richard Seymour. He got away from those two guys. He was dead to rights. Somehow got out, let that ball go, and I still don't know how Rodney Harrison didn't rip that off his helmet. Say what you want about Eli Manning, you know, talk about his numbers in the Super Bowl, whether that gets him to Canton or not, but he deserves to go to the Hall of Fame just for not allowing Tom Brady to win two Super Bowls. I'm good with that. Yeah. I, I, just I, from that single fact only. Dude, those two games, he came up. In those two runs, Eli Manning is one of the greatest third and long quarterbacks I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. He used to rip out my soul and it was always third and 12 every time cowboys defense would pound him for two downs third and 14 feeling good no i'm not because eli's about to break my heart he would do it every time Mm. that throw down the left side to manningham in super bowl 46 it's still one of the greatest throws i've ever seen in my life and that was part of them beating him the second time he beat brady twice Twice, Zay. And he could have been the first man to be a Longhorn, too. Oh, he could have. Not his nephew. Yeah, you're right. They took that Sims, dude. There's only one starting quarterback on the face of the earth right now that can say, I beat Tom Brady twice in the Super Bowl, and it's Eli. That's Mm. crazy, but it's true. 42 for Eli today, 43 for David Tyree. All right, coming up, we will close it out with stems and seeds. Get you ready for Longhorn basketball tonight, taking on K-State. Longhorn's trying to create their own octagon of doom over at the Moody Center. We'll tell you all about it coming up on the Horn. Got little mama. You know you thick as hell, you know what I'm saying? Matter of fact, after the club, you know what I'm talking about, me and my gonna be together, you know what I'm saying? I ain't even worried about them really, though. I'm just looking at you. You know, you got them big tips, God. Got the body of a goddess. Got eyes by the peak and brown eyes. That's a heck of a start right there. All right, just about to finish it up on a Tuesday. Should I recognize this one at all? Uh, yes no. That first voice had a little T.I. feel to it, but I don't know if it was T.I. No? Not T.I. No? Okay. Who was, all right, who was this? T-Pain. T-Pain. I had the T part right. Yeah, yeah, T. I get credit for that? No. <laughs> Not at all. T-Pain. I'm in love with a stripper. Yeah. Classic. It's a classic story, Zay. It's a classic story. T-Pain, 
Rome Streets, SWV, Diana Ross, Metallica, Guns N' Roses, all on the show today. Drake and 21 Savage with the beat from this hour. We thank you for listening today. Uh, lots of texts coming in about Coach Gus today. Lots of texts coming in on the DeMar Hamlin situation today as well. Uh, no big updates on that today. I wish we had uh, big updates and a big positive update. I wish we had that thumbs up. I wish we had that moment, but it has not happened yet, and uh, you just feel for that family and everything that they are going through. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it is not. Uh, hopefully they were not whatever they did last night. Hopefully it was not too late for Demar Hamlin, and uh, he is uh, continuing to fight in a Cincinnati hospital today. They've said they will not resume that game this week, but the NFL I think is going to reserve the right to maybe try to play it at some point if they need to. So they're going to move on to Week 18. Bengals will play the Ravens. I think Saturday is what they're looking at, and they still haven't technically set that game time. They'll do that, I'm sure, in the next day or so. And then Buffalo will play New England. That's a noon kick on Sunday. By the way, Cowboys fans, if you missed it, Cowboys at Washington is a 325, and Houston at Indy is a noon if you are still watching Texans games. And God love you if you're still watching Texans games. Well done, Houston fans. That's dedication. Yo, Jaguars, who are playing good football right now, they went into the H and said, you know what, we know we got Tennessee in one of the biggest games of the year next week, but we just going to roll y'all on our way to doing that. That's what they did. It was ugly. I felt like every play went 65 yards in that game for them. Yeah. They just lit Houston up. Well, maybe if Lovey was wasn't too busy in San Antonio at the Texas game on the sideline. I posted a picture of him on my Twitter. Ah. I, he, he's been at multiple Texas games this year. I don't think Steve Sarkeesian can help what's going on in Houston. <laughs> I just, I don't. Like, yeah, hopefully C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, whichever one you take, I don't think you could go wrong with either. Hopefully they can help your squad next year, but this year, Davis Mills, uh, whoever else is playing quarterback, that ain't working, dog. Before we get out of here and get you to ball, don't lie. Remember Rod and Hard's coming up. And at 4.30, Brooks Kieschnick talking about the legend of Cliff Gustafson with them at 4.30 today. 4.30 with Brooks Kieschnick. Uh, let's get you stems and seeds, including a question I've got to ask, Zay. No stress, no seeds, no stems, no sticks. Brought to you by AV Consultations, 255-8678, or go to avconsultations.com. Zay, I want to get your thoughts on Texas K-State, but first off, there's some NCAA meeting that's happened. They're proposing a 25% of the teams make the championships in certain sports. That would take the basketball tournament to 90 teams. Oh, no. You in favor of this? Hell no. That sounds like a bad idea. That sounds terrible. 90 teams? 90? What are we doing? 90. Yeah, that's way too much. You're still going to play conference tournaments and then play a 90-team tournament? No. I'm not trying to see Western Illinois Tech make it. No. That doesn't sound good to me. All right, so with Texas and Kansas State tonight, who are you watching specifically for Texas in this game? Oh, Tyrese Hunter. He's still just been up and down as of late, you know. He had a good steal and layup in the last game against Oklahoma, but they're going to need him. And, you know, Marcus Carr, with how well he's playing, you hope Tyrese comes along. It seemed after that missed free throw at Illinois, he just hasn't been able to get hot shooting. I want to say he's 22% in the last five games from three, and he was shooting the ball so well early in the season. Let's see if Tyrese Hunter could get going against a pretty solid Kansas State Wildcats team. So just to clarify, he wasn't going through the cramping stuff in the last no, game, right? I, I he he was on he was on the bench because he wasn't playing well? 
Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Because during that, during that second half, watching on ESPN Plus, I didn't want to rewind because it's always tough trying to rewind and uh, fast yeah, forward and yeah, everything. Yeah. So I had to leave it alone, but I thought, wait, 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 is he going through the cramping? Did I miss something? So it's just he wasn't playing well. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, he's a tough player and he's a defensive minded player. So he's been locked in defensively. He did give up a bu- big bucket to Shearfield on, against Oklahoma in clutch time. But other than that, his defense has been solid. But if he starts shooting the ball well, then the horns could really take off. All right. So for tomorrow, we'll look more into that story about the NCAA and a 90 team basketball tournament. Also, we'll dig back into football, go back over the weekend. We didn't have a chance to do a lot of that today, but we'll talk about those semifinal games where Georgia and TCU got it done. Some other bowl games were really, really good, but unfortunately, the Coach Gus story as well as what happened last night in Monday Night Football, they just needed to be discussed today. Again, all of our best feelings and thoughts and prayers going out to the Gustafson family and the Texas baseball crowd, but also to the family of DeMar Hamlin and obviously to DeMar himself. Keep on fighting, young man. We hope to hear something good coming out of that story very quickly. Uh, We will just keep it right here and we will let you know if we are hearing anything. We'll be back tomorrow for a Wednesday show. Again, Brooks Kieschnick coming up at 4.30, joining the Ball Don't Lie guys to talk about Coach Gus. Y'all have a great Tuesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow.